The following is a production of Phoenix Media. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! Up in the sky! Bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. Posing as a foreign agent, Lois Lane gained entrance to the penthouse apartment of Max Heller, leader of a German espionage ring, only to have her true identity exposed by the yellow mask, Heller's partner in espionage. Informed by the taxi driver who had taken her to the apartment that she had seemingly disappeared, Clark Kent, as Superman, leaped to the terrace, forced the door, and entered one of the large rooms. To his amazement, he found it empty and unoccupied, nothing but four blank walls. Suddenly, he heard a strange hissing off in the distance, as though a rocket were being catapulted into space. Puzzled, he stared at the blank walls, bringing into play his amazing power of X-ray vision. What he saw startled him. As our story continues today, an hour has passed. Superman has left the penthouse apartment and returned to it as Clark Kent, accompanied by Major Campbell, chief of the espionage division of the Secret Service. Listen. Well, there's no question about this apartment being unoccupied, Kent. Evidently, we had the wrong steer. Max Heller wasn't using this as his headquarters. Yeah, that's what I thought, Major Campbell, the first time I saw these blank walls. You mean Heller did occupy these premises? There's no question about it. When did he move? He hasn't moved. Now, look here, Kent. There isn't a stick of furniture in the place. We've gone through all seven rooms. I know. Well, don't tell me Heller and his gang slept in the floors. No, not at all. This apartment is still beautifully furnished. Kent, are you out of your mind? Do you call this furnished? Why, there isn't even a picture on the walls. <laughs> now, look, Kent. We're at war. There's a lot of work to be done. We can't afford to waste time on practical jokes. I'm really surprised at you. You're going to be more surprised in a moment. Just follow me. Hey, where are you going? Into this closet. Yeah. Now what? Just step inside here a moment, will you? Yeah. All the way in, please. Okay, if this is some silly trick of yours... It's a trick, all right, but it isn't mine and it isn't silly. Keep your eye on that wall of the closet. Yeah. What are you fumbling for? What do you expect to find in here? A little push button. Ah, here it is. Now, watch. A secret panel. Exactly. You see what's behind it? Looks like a control board. And those are switches, aren't they? Yes, and each one is marked. Look. There's living room, dining room, foyer, 
kitchen. Each room has its own switch. What are they for, Ken? Major Campbell, you're about to see something that will not only amaze you, but prove to you that Max Heller is no ordinary espionage agent. The man is clever. And we've got to be just a little more clever to catch him with the goods. What is this thing you're going to show me? Don't step outside this closet now. You may get hurt. Just watch the room with its four blank walls and not a stick of furniture. I'm going to pull the switch marked living room. You ready? Yeah. Right. Good heavens, Kent. The walls are swinging around. The floor is turning upside down. Keep watching, Major. The entire room will turn inside out. In a moment, you'll see it completely furnished, from pictures on the walls to ashtrays on the tables. Kent, it's amazing. I scarcely believe my eyes. There. Transformation is complete. You can step out of the closet now. Yes, but how do those chairs and couches stay where they are? Why don't the lamps fall over when the floor upends? Everything is bolted down. Tables, chairs, and couches are bolted to the floor. The lamps are bolted to the tables. Even the ashtrays can't be moved. Oh, I see. How on earth did you discover this, Kent? Well, fortunately, I can see through... See through what? Walls? Uh, <laughs> hardly, sir. Uh, what I meant was that I could uh, uh, see through tricks like this. Oh. I knew the apartment couldn't be empty, and yet it was, despite the fact that there hadn't been time to strip it of its furnishings. I still can't believe it, Kent. You said Hella was clever. <laughs> Brilliant is the word. Oh. If you hadn't stumbled on this ingenious device, Helen might have kept this hideout a secret from us forever. Oh, now, uh, what about Miss Lane? Oh, her disappearance puzzles me. Your men have searched the building from top to bottom, haven't they? Not only that, but every employee from the Janet Arp has been grilled. You know absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's to be expected. I'm certain they're all in Heller's employ. Where could Miss Lane be? Well, either with Heller or trailing him. But from the looks of things, I'm afraid she's with him. That's why he skipped out in such a hurry. Lois probably tipped him off that we knew about this hideout. And then to find her, we've got to find Helen. That won't be so easy. Mm. I wish she hadn't interfered. So do I, but that's water over the dam. The damage is done. All we can do is try and correct it. Heller has the only existing set of blueprints showing how to construct a mechanical man. And he has Lois. Thus far, things have been going his way. That won't last long. Well, what do you propose doing? First, we've got to know how Heller left the building. He certainly didn't go out the front entrance, not if he had Lois with him. Well, we've had men stationed front and back for a week, Kent. I told you we were watching the building. I have a complete report here in my pocket. Yeah, let me see. Heller entered the building through the front entrance five days ago, and he never left. Yet he's gone. Well, how? He may be clever, but he certainly can't fly. Wait a minute. Fly? Oh, don't be silly, Kent. After all, there's a limit no, to... No, 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 wait. Huh? You remember my telling you I heard a strange hissing sound like escaping steam? Yes, but what's that got to do with it? When you mentioned flying, something struck me. Let's have a look at the terrace. We may find something interesting. All right, I don't know what you expect to find out here. There's no telling. I'd better lead the way. It's pretty dark. Yeah, here, wait a minute. I'll get a pocket flash. Oh, good. Let me have it, will you? Right. Thanks. There, better. Well, look at the size of this terrace. Big enough to park a small plane, isn't it? Can't. Is that what you're thinking, that Hella had a plane up here? Possible, isn't it? Well, hardly. There isn't even enough room for a takeoff and landing of an autogyro, much less a regular airplane. Hold up a minute. What are those steel cylinders stacked up there? Oh, that's strange. And yeah, let's look at them. Yeah. Compressed air cylinders. That's what made that hissing sound. Well, but what are they used for? Well, I don't know, but we're going to find out. Wait, Scott. What is it, Ken? Look, where I'm shining the light. Huh? There's an opening in the brick wall. Come on. Okay, now be careful, Ken. Neither of us is armed. There's nothing in here but the mechanism. Look at it, Major. What do you think it is? I don't know, Ken. 
I've never seen anything like it before. And what's your guess? It isn't a guess. That's an airplane catapult operated by compressed air. Heller did get away in a plane. Well, oh, yeah, no, not so fast, Kent. Mustn't jump at conclusions. What makes you think this mechanism is a plane catapult? Well, I've seen catapults on naval airplane carriers. This one is similar. Well, maybe you're right. But... Oh, now, wait a minute. It's impossible. How could they ever get a plane into this opening in the wall? It's deep enough, but it can't be more than ten feet wide. A plane needs wings to fly, you know. Well, maybe the wings on this plane fold back against the fuselage. When it's catapulted, it shoots up like a rocket. The wings unfold and it flies. Can't you're letting your imagination run away with you? It's like something out of a book. Well, anything's possible in this day and age. You never would have believed a complete room could be turned inside out. No, but... The more I think about this, the more I'm convinced we have the answer. But can't a plane with folding wings that could be shot into the air like a rocket would be invaluable? Well, if Heller's using one, it can't be any secret to his government. Probably isn't. Well, then why haven't they made use of them in the war? Maybe they are. You remember the sudden Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor? Hundreds of planes came over. Too many to be launched from a carrier. Well, it might very well have been that most of those planes were catapulted from the decks of destroyers with mechanisms like this. Mm. Shot into the air like rockets, one after the other. Mm. You really think so? It's possible. As I said, almost anything is. Mm. All the more reason for getting our hands on Max Heller quickly. I'll put every man in the department on his trail. Yeah, we'll never catch him that way. And if we did, what good would it do us? He's a naturalized American citizen, isn't he? Yes. But if we can ever prove he's a foreign agent, he'll lose that citizenship fast enough. That's yeah, just the point. We can't afford to bring him in until we have an airtight case against him. Of course, if he's abducted Lois, that's enough to put him behind bars for a good long stretch. Oh, I'd forgotten about Miss Lane and all this excitement. You're convinced Hella has taken her with him? Oh, no question about it. She'll make a perfect hostage in case he gets into a jam. But isn't he liable to do her some harm? No, no. Hella's too smart for that. Lois is worth more to him alive. That's why I'm not too worried, at least for the present. Only one thing that bothers me. How are we going to locate Heller? Well, there's only one way. Put 2,000 trained men on this trail. Uh, I'd like to avoid that if we can. Let him think he's fooled us. Then he won't be on his guard. Sooner or later, he'll come back here. Or one of his henchmen will. Yes, I know, Kent, but he has the blueprints for that mechanical man. He... To start building those steel monsters and creating panic. Now, what happened when that first one got loose? It, it terrified people. Yeah, don't worry about that. After all, he's in America. You can't find facilities for building ten-foot steel giants on every corner. That takes time, and it must be done undercover. Well, after what I've seen tonight, I'm almost ready to believe it can create miracles. But I'm willing to go along with you if whatever you suggest doesn't endanger the lives of innocent people. All we need is one more mechanical man scared to throw this country into panic, and that's what men like Keller are trying to do. Under a scheme, frighten us, break down morale. Did it in Norway, in Denmark, and France. You can't let them do it here. They won't. Americans don't frighten that easily. I hope you're right. Well, what's the next step? We'll leave everything as we found it. Let's get back and turn that room into four bare walls again. Come on. It seems to me we're taking a long chance. Wait a minute. What's the matter? Someone's in the apartment. I heard a door open. It may be one of my men. Let's make sure first. Listen. Open the Hey, that's not one of my men. No, it's one of Heller's. Don't go. They can't. They're coming out here. We're trapped. Fine. We're going to let them capture us. Are you mad? It's the only way to discover where Heller's hiding out. They'll take us to him. Now, don't resist. But they must have guns. They'll shoot to kill. No, they won't. Quiet. Here they come. Out from the darkness, Kent and Major Campbell listen to the approaching footsteps of Heller's henchmen. Undoubtedly, the foreign agents are armed. And although Kent has no fear of their guns himself, 
one stray bullet knifing out of the black may take the life of Major Campbell. What will happen? Don't miss the next startling episode. Tune in and listen, We're the Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are facts just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen... And now to our story. When Clark Kent and Major Campbell, chief of the espionage division of the Secret Service, investigated the penthouse apartment of Max Heller, head of a foreign spy ring, they discovered two startling things. One, that the walls and floor of each room in the apartment could be turned inside out by throwing a switch. In this way, the apartment could be made to appear unoccupied. But more amazing was the airplane catapult Kent found on the terrace. Operated by compressed air, it was capable of shooting a plane into the sky like a rocket, provided the plane was equipped with folding wings. Kent surmised this was the case and decided Heller and his partner, the Yellow Mask, had escaped in that manner, taking Lois Lane with them. As Kent and Major Campbell walked back along the terrace, they heard the guttural voices of foreigners, and two of Heller's men approached in the darkness. Listen. We're going to give ourselves up, Major Campbell. Don't resist them. Kent, you're out of your mind. No, I'm not. We can't possibly locate Heller's new hideout unless they take us there as prisoners. It's the only way. Now, trust me. But you don't know these men. They're killers. They won't hesitate. Be quiet. Wait a minute. Here they come. I'll handle it. We're right here. Get down, Major. You see, Ken, I told you. Just keep low and start crawling back. They can't see us in the dark. Once we get around that bend behind the brick wall, we're all right. Come on. Having a chance now. They know we're here. We're dead men, Ken. I right, shut behind the wall. There. 
No, I... It's just a matter of time. No way of getting off this terrace except through those French doors. I didn't think they'd shoot. That's because you don't know them. Listen to the filthy beggars. What are they saying? They couldn't catch it all, but the first one said not to waste bullets until they saw us. I think I'll give them that opportunity. They crave fight, they'll get it. You stay here. Now, Kent, where are you going? Take their toy pistols away. Kent, you're mad. It's suicide. Don't worry, Major. I can handle them. Kent, come back. Hey, Kent. It might be suicide for anyone else, but it's just a little workout for Superman. All right, my quick-triggered friends. Here's your chance to get a little free target practice. I'll shine Campbell's flashlight in my face just to make it easy for them. Here goes. Ah, not bad at all. Two of those bounced off my chest. <laughs> Poor Campbell, he's dying a thousand deaths. Probably thinks I'm riddled by this time. So do those heinies. Here they come. Now for the finishing touch. Well, you boys aren't bad with guns. Now let's use this. Fighting for size. Well, that was a perfect fit. Now, how about you? Swinging that gun won't help you, but this might. Yeah, it did. Helped you right into dreamland. Next time you won't play so rough. Ken, where are you answer me? Right. Made a mistake, then use my real voice. This has to be Kent talking. <clears throat> I'm right here, Major Campbell. Everything's okay. You can come out from behind that wall. Kent, you're alive. How did you survive those bullets? I, I can't believe it. There's the proof. Two ice cold foreign agents. Ugly devils, aren't they? But, but Kent, how did you do it? I, I heard three shots. Neither of them could hit the side of a barn. Shall we drag them inside? The since they're not going to walk for a while. You take the little one. I'll handle this big one. All right. You don't know the meaning of fear, Kent. Not another man alive would have done what you did. It's beyond all belief. Washington will hear about this. I'd much rather they wouldn't. Here, dump these specimens in the corner. Yeah, it's fine. I expected the entire police department to be up here by this time. Well, those shots may have sounded like backfiring down on the street. Wait a minute. What's that? It sounds like Morse code. Hmm. Coming from behind those bookshelves. Here? Yes. One of these shelves must open or slide back. Ah, oh, this one probably. The books on it are dummies. Now, wait a minute, let's see here. You think there's a radio behind it? I'm sure of it. Uh, here, I got it. it. Swings around on a pivot. Ah, it's a radio, all right. Sir, shortwave sending and receiving said voice and key. Hey, wait a minute. That isn't Morse code. No. It's code of some kind. Listen. Nothing I ever heard before. No. Let's get some of it down on paper. Maybe we can decipher it later. Do you have a pencil? Yes, yes. All right. Let's get as much as we can. It may give us a clue. As Kent and Major Campbell attempt to record the dots and dashes of the unknown wireless code coming from the hidden shortwave receiver, a strange scene is being enacted in the basement room of an abandoned factory 200 miles from the city of Metropolis. There, Max Heller is bent over a portable shortwave wireless transmitter, sending the coded message Kent and Campbell are attempting to receive. Standing beside him is his new partner in espionage, the Yellow Mask. Uh, it's no use. Strauss isn't there. I told him I would get to him promptly at midnight. Something must have happened. He may have forgotten. My men never forget. It amounts to suicide. Now something has gone wrong. Strauss would be there. How could anything have gone wrong? Everyone in this apartment house works for you from the janitor up. I know. But there's always a chance. I don't like it. It may mean finding another location in the city. That will be difficult. You know who's to blame if anything has gone wrong, Heller? Who? That lame girl. Don't bring her in. Perhaps she has changed her mind about talking. I doubt it. No, Strauss could not have forgotten. He's too reliable. 
Something has happened. I know it. Let's go of my arm. Here close the door. Now, what do you want? I thought I made it clear to you, Helen, that all the questioning in the world won't do you a bit of good. There will be no more questioning, Miss Lane. I think shortly you will be willing to tell me how you knew of my headquarters in the city. Well, think again. Once is enough. Have you ever seen a mechanical man, Miss Lane? She's seen one, all right. She wrote that story in the Daily Planet when Thornton's model got loose. She was an eyewitness. Is that true? Isn't everything the yellow mask says true? This is no time for humor. Evidently, you fail to realize we are not playing a game. Whether or not I learn how you discovered my whereabouts is relatively unimportant. It's just that I am curious. And frequently, I will go to any extremes to satisfy my curiosity. You understand? I find this very boring. I should endeavor to make it more interesting for you, Miss Lane. But first, I must explain a few things. You know, of course, what my mission is in this country. I know what your end will be. Prison or life. And that'll be too good. I appreciate your concern. But to go on. I am here, Miss Lane, to create panic through fear and destruction. We are fighting a war, your country and mine. I have pledged myself to help win that war with all means at my disposal. Why don't you get a few poison snakes? They'd be good company for you and this, uh, reptile. Let me handle the hell and I'll make a talk. One moment. I will do all the handling for the present. Now, as I was saying, Miss Lane, my mission must be performed at any cost. You may not know it, but I have secured the plans and blueprints showing the construction of the mechanical men with which you are familiar. They have been in my possession scarcely 24 hours, and yet we have made amazing progress. Very interesting. You will learn how interesting in a few moments. I am going to show you the first of the steel men we have created in this seemingly deserted factory. I'm going to let you decide how he shall be used. Oh, I wouldn't want to rob you of the pleasure. After all, destruction is your business. There will be other mechanical men, as many as my mechanics can build. But this one, the first, will be dedicated to you. He is waiting for you, all bright and shining in the large room across the corridor. Shall we look him over? I'll decline that privilege if you don't mind. Ah, but I do mind. You must join us, Miss Lane. I said you must join us. All right. If it satisfies your twisted sense of humor. Just across the corridor. The mask will open the door for you. Behold, the mechanical man, Miss Lane. The steel monster that will drive strong men to seek shelter. The ten-foot giant that will carry death and destruction in his massive hands. Behold him. You're nothing but an animal, Helen. We will save the compliments for some other time. Now watch. While I press a button on this control. Watch how he wops. So? Enough of that. There is something else. I have gone further than your American inventor. I have given the mechanical man the power of speech. Now he can talk. I press this button. Listen. I am the mechanical man. Nothing can stop me. Run for your lives. Run. I am Why do you shrink back, Miss Lane? It doesn't frighten you, does it? Let me out of here. Just a moment. This is your mechanical man, if you remember. He is ready to be sent out on his first assignment. I was thinking perhaps that it would be wise to send him to one of the shipyards close by. You see, the carrier on his chest is loaded with incendiary bombs. They will explode when he reaches the yard. There is much wood in a shipyard. It will burn easily. And so are the men working there. You're both raving maniacs. You're not human. You can't be. Even dogs have more sense of decency. You wish to save the shipyard from destruction, Miss Lane? You would like to spare the lives of the men who might be trapped in the fire? Well, it is very simple. Tell us who else besides yourself knew of my whereabouts in the city. 
Tell us how and why you paid me a visit masquerading as a foreign agent. You think I'm a fool, Hella? On the contrary. I regard you as a very sensible young woman. You have it within your power to prevent the catastrophe. The answer is no. Roll back the side doors, please. With pleasure. Have you changed your mind, Miss Lane? The answer is still no. Very well. And we shall send our monster on his way. I am mechanical man. Nothing can stop me. Run for your life. Run. Terrified, Lois looks on as the huge ten-foot steel giant heads for the open doors, mouthing its horrible chant. Will she stop it, or is it too late? The lives of innocent men hang in the balance. What will happen? Don't forget to be with us for the next thrilling episode. Tune in and listen. We're the Superman. Don't forget. Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. When Lois Lane, jealous of Clark Kent's connection with the Secret Service, attempted to run down an espionage ring single-handed, trouble began. As matters stand now, Lois is a prisoner in a seemingly deserted factory some miles from the city of Metropolis. There, Max Heller, leader of the foreign agents, and the Yellow Mask, his newfound henchman, are supervising the construction of an army of huge mechanical men, radio-controlled monsters designed to create panic and destruction. Unable to make contact with his penthouse headquarters in Metropolis, even by secret shortwave wireless, Max Heller suspects the place has been raided and some of his best men rounded up. Believing Lois to be a Secret Service operative, he attempts to question her, seeking to learn how much the government knows about his activities. Failing in that, Heller issues a threat. Unless Lois talks, the first of the steel monsters will be sent to deposit incendiary bombs in a nearby shipyard. Terrified, Lois looks on as Heller presses a button on the radio control panel. Slowly, the mechanical giant lumbers toward the open doors, its blood-red eyes blinking horribly. The mechanical voice with which Heller has equipped it, rumbling from somewhere inside its steel body. Stop me. Run for your lives. Run. Stunned, Lois shrinks back as the towering steel giant sweeps by her, its grotesque arms swinging like those of a mammoth gorilla. Suddenly, as it nears the open doors, Lois cries out to Max Heller. Stop it! I'll tell you anything you want to know. Stop it! I'm trying. There's something wrong with the control panel. That's not the truth. You're lying to me. Stop it! Fool that you are. Do you not see I'm doing everything possible? You've got to stop it! You've got to! What's wrong, Helen? What's she screaming about? Listen to me, Mask. Find Hirschman, my head mechanic. Something is wrong with this panel. Hurry! The mechanical man is out of control. Where is Hirschman? Tom Cop, in the machine shop. 
Phil, what are you waiting for? Don't get excited, Helen. I'm going. Nothing can stop me. Run for your lives. With nothing guiding its movement save an uncontrollable radio impulse, the mechanical man, more horrible than ever now that it possesses a voice, leaves the factory behind and lumbers in the direction of the shipyard five miles away. The metallic plodding of its weighted feet shaking the very earth. Once again, the news spreads like wildfire. Women and children shudder behind drawn blinds, finding no comfort in locked and bolted doors. Suddenly, as though an unseen hand had reached down and wiped them clean, the streets are deserted. And still the mechanical man plods on, sounding a fearsome warning. Run. I'm the mechanical man. Nothing can stop me. Run for your life. Meanwhile, miles away in the busy office of the shipyard superintendent, the first terrifying news of the mechanical man's approach comes from a panic-stricken yard patrolman. They've seen him near Sutherland, Mr. Kennedy. He's heading this way. The mechanical man. The mechanical man? Where did you get such fantastic information? O'Brien heard it on his car radio. Well, we'll soon check up on that. Wait a minute. Get me Captain Stanley at the police station. That's right. So call me back. There ain't much time, Mr. Kennedy. They say he's only a mile from the yard. Who said that? O'Brien. That's what he heard. Well, I'll have a talk with O'Brien. We're doing important work around here, 24 hours a day. I can't be disturbed by stupid rumors that create panic. Yeah. Captain Stanley? Kennedy at the shipyard. Yeah. And one of our men here claims he heard a radio report to the effect... What? You say it's true. And it's headed for the yard? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, at once. Ring the alarm bell, Joe. we got to clear this yard of every man in it. Come on, now, hurry. There isn't much time. As 5,000 shipbuilders drop their tools and pour out of the yard in a frightened milling mass, Clark Kent, unaware of the impending disaster, arrives at the home of Wallace Thornton, original inventor of the mechanical man, to enlist his aid in the search for Max Heller. Kent. Oh, I'm glad to see you. Come in. Thank you. What you call locking the barn door after the horse is stolen. I've been mighty careful since those original blueprints were taken. I don't suppose they've been recovered. Not yet, but we're on Heller's trail. That's why I dropped in to ask you a few questions. I hope I can answer them. What are they? Well, I'd better start from the beginning. As you know, the espionage division of the Secret Service knew about Max Heller's headquarters in the Metropolis apartment building. We suspected, too, that our friend the Yellow Mask was with Heller. We were waiting to get both of them with the goods before closing in. Well, unfortunately, a young newspaper woman kicked over the apple cart. Heller and the Mask fled, taking the young woman, Miss Lane, with them. Wasn't the building being watched? Well, yes, yes, day and night. They escaped from the terrace in a plane. You're not serious, Ken. Absolutely. It was evidently a plane operated by a catapult, a mechanism that shot it off the roof like a rocket. And from all the evidence, it was equipped with folding wings. Now, is that possible, Mr. Thornton? Anything is possible, Kent. Uh, what makes you think the plane had folding wings? Well, the catapulting mechanism was in a recess in the wall, a space about... Oh, 50 feet deep and only 10 feet wide. Hmm. <laughs> Unless the plane's wings folded flat against the fuselage, it never could have gotten in there. Now, let me show you something interesting, Kent. I think I have it in this cabinet. Yes, here it is. Oh, that's a balsa wood model of a plane, isn't it? Yes. A plane with folding wings. See how they snap back? Oh. This model operates on the same principle you mentioned, a catapult. Wow. In this case, we use a strong elastic band. See? Now watch. I'll send it up. 
Notice how the wings lay back against the fuselage to cut down wind resistance as it gains altitude. Uh-huh. Now, keep your eye on it. Here it goes. It shoots up like an arrow. Watch the wings unfold when it reaches its peak. There they go. Why, that's amazing. Oh, if it had a motor, it could keep flying. Exactly. I developed this model three months ago. But evidently, from what you tell me, someone went into production on the actual ship. But uh, go on with your story. What about Helen and the yellow mask? Oh, well, they had skipped, as I said. But in their empty apartment, we discovered a shortwave wireless set hidden behind a bookcase. A message in code was coming over. We recorded as much of it as we could, and it's being deciphered now. It may yield a clue to Heller's whereabouts. Frankly, Kent, I'm worried. With the mechanical man blueprints in Heller's hands, anything can happen. Yeah. I've been working day and night to perfect a radio control mechanism capable of stopping any mechanical man Heller builds and releases just in case we never recover those blueprints. But it's quite a job because there's no telling what wavelength he might use. But it has to be done. We've got to stop him somehow. It's quite true. But it'll be a long time before Heller makes use of those blueprints. Steel isn't so easy to get these days, and, well, where can he build a ten-foot giant in absolute secrecy? I wish I felt the way you do, but somehow I have a premonition that something ghastly is going to happen. You recall the panic caused by my model running wild? Just think what would happen if Heller and his men released dozens of these steel monsters. Well, even one could do irreparable damage, not to mention the panic and terror. Imagine, Kent, a mechanical man loosen a ship... Almost as though his mind was spanning the 200-mile gap separating the doomed shipyard and his laboratory, Wallace Thornton is picturing for Kent exactly what is happening. Even as he speaks, Max Heller's mechanical monster is bearing down on the yard like a creature out of another world, carrying in the steel pocket of his massive chest enough incendiary material to level everything in sight. Before him loom the half-completed hulls of a dozen destroyers cradled in wooden scaffolding, dry tinder for the unquenchable fire of his bombs. All appearances, the yard is empty, deserted, swept clean of its horde of defense workers. But hidden behind sandbag barriers, their muscles tense, are six gray-clad members of the state police, expert marksmen armed with machine guns. Crouch low, they wait until the steel giant reaches the gate, and then... Spitting flame, the guns hurl a barrage of screaming steel at the huge monster. For a split second, the powerful impact of the bullet seems to stop him in his tracks. Both blood-red eyes shatter into a million fragments, and the ghostly voice rising from the depths of the metal body fades off into an eerie death rattle. Then, shuddering, it continues on, crashing through the locked iron gate as though it were paper. One by one, the machine guns, their bullet clips empty, stop firing. And there is no sound but the dread plodding of the monster's heavy feet. Meanwhile, back at Wallace Thornton's laboratory, Clark Kent is about to leave. I'll call you if anything turns up, Mr. Thornton. I want to get back now and see whether Major Campbell's men have deciphered that code message. Uh, keep in touch with me, Kent. I'll let you know if I make any progress on the control device. Oh, yes. I'll be anxious to hear about that. Oh, it's only five o'clock? Oh, it must be later than that. Oh, my watch stops. Now, wait a moment. I'll turn on the radio. There might be a time signal. All right, thanks. Takes a second or two to heat up. A giant mechanical monster has run amok and threatens to destroy the Bartlett shipyard, one of the largest on the coast. What's that? Less than two minutes ago, the steel Frankenstein was reported crashing through the yard gate despite the best efforts of state police marksmen to stop it with machine guns. The Bartlett yard, located at Haynes River, has 12 destroyers ready to launch and a dozen more partially built. The police seem powerless. I've got to go, Mr. Thornton. You can't come back. This is serious. I know it is. I'll call you. Can't wait a minute. Don't go. Bartlett Shipyard, eh? Haynes River. I'm just stuck around the side of this building. There's still enough daylight to make it risky, but I've got to take the chance. As Superman. Up! Up! And away! 
Racing against time and risking detection in the gray light of dusk, Superman leaps into the air, swings north, and like an arrow in flight, wings toward Haines River 200 miles away. Can he reach the shipyard before the incendiary bombs explode and level everything in a hail of liquid fire? Don't miss the next thrill-packed episode. Be with us for a smashing, exciting climax. Tune in and listen with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. When we last saw Clark Kent, he had dropped his reporter's disguise and, as Superman, was flying to the Bartlett shipyard at Haynes River. There, loaded with deadly incendiary bombs, is a newly constructed mechanical man released by Max Heller, head of a foreign espionage ring. Already, the steel monster, towering ten feet high and impervious to bullets, has crashed through the yard's iron gate and is slowly approaching the water's edge where twelve naval vessels, ready to launch, are resting in their inflammable wooden cradles. Suddenly, a tongue of orange flame leaps from a pocket in the monster's chest as one of the time bombs explodes. Then another, and another. Liquid fire spills from the steel pocket in a roaring cascade. Greedily, it licks at the dry wood, spreading like molten lead, white hot and hissing. Suddenly, a strange rush of wind clears the thick, billowing smoke above the roaring blaze, and Superman, red cloak streaming, drops from the sky like a plummet and lands at the water's edge, into the very heart of the blinding inferno. Ah, I had a feeling I'd be too late. This isn't any ordinary fire. That stuff spreads fast. There's only one thing to do. Launch those destroyers. If I can get them out into the water, I may save them. Here goes. Sealed from sight by an impenetrable wall of flame, Superman, single-handed, sends the completed ships down the waves one after the other. Taxing even his superhuman strength, the 10,000-ton ocean dreadnoughts, locked in steel and wood scaffolding, yield reluctantly to his straining muscles, quiver from stem to stern as he forces them into the heaving water. Ah. Only two more to go and those ships will be safe. Come on, don't fight me. We need you to swept the jets off the map. Not a girl. There you go. All right, now for the last. You're going to follow your sister ship. That's it. Start moving. Just a little more. That does it. Oh, boy, uh... oh, that fire's spreading fast. We'll reach those other boats if I don't do something about it. Water won't put it out. Tearing up the earth will. I'll smother it. And after that's done, I've got to find that mechanical man. I won't destroy this one. I'll use him. Superman tears into the hard frozen ground, fashioning a miniature earthquake that smothers the leaping flames under tons of sand and gravel. And then, gradually, the fire subsides until, in the gathering darkness, there are only glowing embers and curling wisps of gray smoke. And as the smoke clears, all that can be seen are the twelve destroyers floating free and untouched. 
both Superman and the mechanical monster have vanished as though into thin air. But at the abandoned factory five miles from the shipyard, where Max Heller and his men have set up machinery to build an army of steel robots, Lois Lane, a prisoner of the espionage ring, faces its mastermind, her eyes flashing, white-hot anger draining the color from her cheeks. You call yourself a man, Heller. It's a joke, a ghastly, horrible joke. God never created anything slimier than you are, never. Are you through? Yes, I'm through. You might just as well get rid of me now. No matter what happens, I'll never tell you who's on your trail. They'll catch up with you yet, and when they do, my only hope is that they make you suffer unbelievable torture. Is that all, Fraulein? Yes. That's all. Now, I will have something to say. You think I did not live up to my promise. Uh, the promise I made you, that if you gave me the information I wished, I would not dispatch the mechanical man to destroy the shipyard. That is what you think, man. You know exactly what I think. Yes, and you are wrong. Something happened to the radio control panel. The mechanical man could not be stopped. It was unavoidable, unfortunate. Unfortunate? That's a fine word for wholesale destruction. Unfortunate. My mechanic is working on the control panel now. You can see that with your own eyes. It's too late now. That flaming sky told the story. You've done your little job. I see there's no point in discussing the matter with you further. The mask will escort you back to your room where you will remain for the present. Oh, why prolong the show, Heller? I'd rather be dead than breathe the same air that you breathe. Take away. Come on. Let go of my arm. Come on, around. I told you she is not to be hurt. It'd do her good. She'd sing a different tune. You have my orders? I have a good reason. Show her to our room. All right. Have it your own way. Well, Hirschman, is it not yet repaired? What kind of a mechanic are you? The wires were crossed. Now it will work. Let us see. We'll make an attempt to bring back our steel messenger who did such a fine job. Uh, which dial controls the flying mechanism, uh, the propeller? This one here, Heller. So, now to effect its return... This switch. So, that is all? Yeah. Unless it was destroyed in the fire, it should not take long. You, uh, you saw the flames from the sky, Hirschman. Yeah, I saw them. Uh, it is only the beginning, Hirschman. Only the beginning. You will build these amazing mechanical men, and I will make good use of them. The sky will be on fire all over this country. Uh, it does not take long to bring frightened people to the knees. What is that idea? A plane motor. No. It is the mechanical man. Roll back the door, Hirschman, quickly. Look, Hirschman. It is flying in. Look. I cannot believe my eyes. But it is true. We have brought it back, Hirschman. We have twisted the dial and, and turned the switch, and here it is. Close the door. The red bulbs in the eyes are gone, and the steel is black with smoke, but that is a small matter. Tomorrow you'll repair it. Hirschman, all of the world is in the palm of that creature's hand, and we are his master, and the master of all that will follow him. But come, it is late. This miracle we will explore in the morning. Now, Hirschman, we cannot lose. Heil. Heil. Both in the all-enveloping darkness of the high-ceiling basement room, the mechanical man, its eyes hollow, gaping sockets, and its steel body smoke-blackened, stands like some prehistoric giant suddenly robbed of motion. Not a sound disturbs the silence of the underground chamber. Not a pinpoint of light shows through the pitch black. And suddenly a faint metallic scraping cuts the stillness like a sharp knife. And slowly, one of the steel plates that form the mechanical monster's back raises up on its hinges. For a moment, there is silence again, and then... 
the red-caped figure of Superman, hidden in the vast cavern of the mechanical man's hollow body, emerges from the opening and drops lightly to the stone floor. So far, so good. I knew there was only one way of locating Heller, and that was to let the mechanical man bring me back here. Good thing I didn't disturb any of those wires inside him or he wouldn't have worked. Now to find Lois and those blueprints. After that, Heller and the mask will be taken care of, and well... This door should lead someplace. Moving silently along the dim-lit corridor, Superman calls into play his amazing power of X-ray vision. Piercing the stone walls of the rooms on the corridor, he picks out the one occupied by Lois, notices that she is stretched out on a cot seemingly asleep. Drawing up before the door, he reaches under his cape and in a few moments is once again dressed in the disguising street clothes of Clark Kent. Softly, he taps on the door. Lois! Lois! Who is it? Clark Kent, open up. I can't. Door's locked from the outside. Maybe I can force it. Stand back. <coughs> Quick, let's close it again. Someone's liable to come by. Clark, how in heaven's name did Save you... Save all that, Lois. It's a long story. Where's Max Heller? In a room at the end of the corridor. Can't you at least tell me how you knew I was here? Not now. Have you any idea where the mechanical man blueprints are? No, I don't. But they've already built one of those horrible creatures that set fire to a shipyard tonight. Yes, I know. Chances are that Heller keeps the blueprints with him in his room. He keeps a revolver there, too. That's all right. Don't be a fool, Clark. He's a cold-blooded killer. He's... Shh, quiet. Someone's coming. Quick, stretch out on the cot. Okay, Clark. Now, don't move, no matter what happens. Poop off this door. Hi, Ned Heller. Oh, too bad you missed, but I won't. Clark, are you hurt? No, but our friend Heller is. Get back. We have another visitor. Probably with the yellow mask. I won't give him a chance to ask any questions. Kip, what are you doing? Ah, the mask, all right. Uh-oh. That shot must have gotten them all up. You've got Heller's gun, Lois. Watch these two specimens. I'll take care of the rest. All right, boys, come out. Come into this office, Mr. Thornton. It's too noisy out here. Yeah, that's better. Well, I was sorry to have to drag you down to the Daily Planet to give you these blueprints, but I've been so busy tying up loose ends I couldn't get away. I don't mind in the least, Mr. Kent. Frankly, I'm the most amazed man in the world. How you ever rounded up that espionage gang and recovered these plans will always be a mystery to me. Well, I was lucky, that's all. Well, it was more than luck, Kent. I... I'm sure you don't appreciate what you've done for your country. It's beyond description. I feel much safer now that Heller is behind bars. <laughs> he isn't. What do you mean? Major Campbell called me an hour ago. Heller died of a heart attack while being transported from police headquarters to the city jail. Well, I don't like to say it, but that's even better. The man was ruthless and clever. Probably the most dangerous individual in the country. His death is no loss to any of us. No, it's... A... Oh, excuse me. Can't speaking. Mr. Kent? Yes? I call to compliment you on your achievement. It was very remarkable. But perhaps next time the tables will be turned. Who is this? Max Heller. Stunned, Clark Kent stares into the telephone mouthpiece. Can he believe his ears? Has he been listening to a voice from the dead? Or is it some trick? Don't fail to hear the next episode for a startling development in this story of foreign espionage. Tune in and listen, we're the Superman! Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman!
It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. As you remember, Clark Kent, recently appointed a special Secret Service operative, rounded up the espionage ring led by Max Heller and recovered the only existing set of blueprints describing the construction of the radio-controlled mechanical man. With the precious blueprints in the hands of the War Department and Heller and his partner in espionage, the Yellow Mask, headed for long prison sentences, Kent felt his work was over. He was doubly sure of this when he learned that Heller had died of a heart attack en route to the city jail. Then, like a bolt out of the blue, a telephone call reached Kent, a call that warned him of trouble. And the voice at the other end of the wire was the voice of Max Heller. As our story continues today, Kent is in the office of Major Campbell, chief of the espionage division of the Secret Service, telling him about the call. Listen. There's no mistaking his voice, Major. It was Max Heller, all right. But, Kent, it's impossible. Certainly you don't believe in ghosts. Oh, this was no ghost. It was human and it was Heller. I'll stake my life on it. I don't know what other evidence I can give you that Heller is dead. Here are all the reports, including a receipt for the body from the city morgue. That's it, the morgue. What are you driving at? Call the city morgue and find out whether the body is still there. Now, look, Kent, we don't want to make fools of ourselves. The people at the morgue will think we're crazy. After all, dead men just don't walk off, you know. Well, I'll call. I don't mind being thought crazy if it proves anything. All right, all right. And get me the city morgue, Miss Rogers. City morgue, Miss Rogers, please. Uh, Anyone you want, specialist? Well, the uh, superintendent, if he's there. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Campbell. Well, I'm doing this against my better judgment, Kent. I just imagine what he'll say when I ask him whether Heller's body is there. 
Brother, once we get them down here, they don't move around much. <laughs> now, that must be your call. Right. Hello. This is Gardner of the city morgue. Oh, yes, uh, Major Campbell speaking. What can I do for you, Major? Well, uh, this is just a routine inquiry. It's, uh, it's in reference to a man named Max Heller. Heller? He's gone. What? I have the final disposition papers in front of me. The body was released to a relative this morning. Ask him who the relative was. Uh, uh who, who was the relative, Gardner? Uh, hold on a moment. Hey, Kent, what does this mean? Get all the information you can. Yeah. Hello? Uh, yes? The body was claimed by a cousin, a Miss Gertha Stein. Is there anything wrong, Major? We had no instructions to hold the remains. No, no, it's quite all right. Uh, thank you very much. Don't mention it. Goodbye. Bye. Gertha Stein. Gertha Stein. That name sounds familiar, Kent. We may have seen it in the departmental report on Heller. I'll have Miss Rogers bring it in. No, that won't be necessary. The name Gerta Stein isn't in the departmental report. Then why does it seem seem so familiar? I'll tell you why. It was the name used by Lois Lane when she tried to palm herself off on Heller as a foreign agent. Kent, you're right. Hey, but wait a minute. What would she want with Heller's corpse? Oh, there's something wrong here. Something that requires explanation. I swear to you, Kent, if that young woman is sticking her nose in where it doesn't belong... I can guarantee you, Major, that Lois had nothing to do with this. You don't mean to sit there and tell me that it's a pure coincidence, an amazing similarity of names. No, I think it's just another example of Max Heller's reckless bravado of his unmatched gall. What are you talking about? What's Heller got to do with this? He's dead. Don't you believe it. He's no more dead than you are. Kent, are you out of your mind? Well, it's just his way of telling us that he's not afraid. Flaunting his cleverness in our faces. That's why he called me on the telephone. Oh, I refuse to subscribe to any such fantastic idea, Kent. Heller is dead. Two perfectly reliable federal marshals were with him when he breathed his last, and a reputable physician examined him and pronounced him dead. Now, that's good enough for me. I... Do you mind if I carry on, Major Campbell? You can do as you please, but you're wasting valuable time. I promise you not a moment will be wasted. And I'll report as soon as I have any information. Kent, you're a young, obstinate fool. Bye, Major. Convinced that Max Heller is still alive, Clark Kent sets out to investigate the strange chain of circumstances. Unaware that furtive eyes are watching his every move. That a new menace, more dangerous even than Heller, threatens the safety of American defense by striking from within. Far across the city, well hidden behind the crumbling face of an ancient brownstone dwelling, the Society of the Leopard is holding a secret meeting in a room heavy with the odor of burning incense. The sinister eyes of a dozen olive-skinned Orientals are centered on a strange, dark-haired woman seated at the head of the conference table. As she speaks... A tapered hands emerge from the wide sleeves of a black silk robe. Cruel, blood-red fingernails unsheathing like the claws of a great cat. All is still, save for the soft, compelling voice of Nita, the leopard woman. The leopard is healthy. The leopard seeks out the shadows of darkness. He knows no fear, but all men fear him. So it is written on the scroll of Tsukuyama. So it shall be. The leopard is all-powerful. And we are his claws, Miyasuma. Miyasuma. Rising from the table, the twelve almond-eyed orientals file silently through the curtained doorway, leaving the room empty save for the woman Nita. Reaching out, she strikes the bell of a melodic chime with a small felt hammer. Instantly, the heavy plush curtains at the far end of the room part, and none other than Max Heller steps from behind its thick folds. A very interesting ceremony, if I may say so. You handle social men as no one else could. Sit down, my friend, and remember the walls have ears. Not these walls. I could scarcely hear your voice from where I stood. One does not tempt the fate. That, above all, you should learn. It is a grave mistake. I know what you are referring to. 
Uh, as a telephone call to Herr Kent. It was vanity on my part. I could not resist informing him that, despite all his cleverness, Max Heller was still to be reckoned with. Even in this business, there's pride. It is done, and no manner of talk will undo it. Now tell me all that happened. It was reported that death came to you suddenly. <laughs> yes, to all outward appearances. I do not understand. You see these tiny green capsules. One of them brings instantaneous death. You speak in terms that are vague. Death did not come to you. As far as the physician who examined me was concerned, it did. The drug in these capsules brings on a state of catalepsis. The body grows cold and the heartbeat is so faint that no instrument can detect it. The limbs stiffen and no breath passes the lips. It is almost beyond belief. So Herr Kent must be saying. Of course, it would have done me no good if I had not been able to communicate with you and instruct you to claim my, uh, my remains. Well, that is another thing. How did you know of my existence? Your name appeared in my secret orders uh, in case of trouble. Fortunately, one of my men escaped and brought the message instructing you to claim my body as Goethe Stein. That name? It has some meaning. <laughs> yes, uh, that's a strange meaning. Herr Kent will understand it once he discovers I am missing from the morgue. I should like to see the expression on his face. This man of whom you speak is only one of many. We have important work to be done. He cannot occupy our every thought. What are your plans? I have none at the moment. Most of my men are behind bars because of Kent. I shall have to do something to build up another organization. For the present, you will join us. I can make good use of your talent. First, we must recover this secret airship of which you spoke, that with the folding wings. Recover or destroy it. Such a weapon is dangerous in the hands of our enemies. Then perhaps we will gain possession of the plans for the mechanical man. I have little hope of that. They have been given for safekeeping to the War Department. But the plane is another matter. It is well hidden in an underground hangar, not far from the factory where Kent found us. Good. Now, we have been watching you carefully from the beginning. Just as we have been watching this man, Kent, and the woman with whom he is associated. Lois Lane. Yes. For a time, we admired the work you were doing. But then you began to make mistakes. Stupid mistakes. The Lane woman should have been destroyed. You were too soft. You are quite right. Your mistake will now be rectified. How? These Americans, for all their bungling, are most watchful. It will be done in the manner of a leopard. With cunning. The lame woman will be first, and her passing will cast suspicion on the man Kent. At this very moment, perhaps the symbol of death is in her hands. What is the symbol of death? There are many symbols. In the case of the woman, we have made use of a symbol that will work fast. One that cannot fail. It is nothing more than a box of chocolates sent to her in the name of Kent. You mean uh, chocolates candy? Yes. Each one is a masterpiece, irresistible to the eye and exquisitely pleasing to the taste. But more than that, each one opens wide the gates to the Valley of the Shadows. For blended into the delicate softness of every piece is a lethal poison for which there is no antidote. 
in such a manner with a leopard strike. Swiftly. Silently. Again, the cruelly pointed nails of the leopard woman's hands emerge from the sleeves of her black silk robe as though to illustrate her threat. Alone with her in the shrouded silence of the room, even Max Heller shudders. What will happen when the box of poisoned candy reaches Lois? Don't forget to be with us for the next episode when strange things happen. Tune in and listen with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here. Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot U-S forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, dig You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings of a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen... And now to our story. With the aid of a paralyzing drug, Max Heller, head of a foreign espionage ring, engineered a daring escape from the federal authorities. Feigning sudden death from a heart attack, Heller's seemingly lifeless body was removed to the city morgue, where ten hours later it was claimed by a woman representing herself as his cousin. Actually, the woman was Nita, strange, mysterious leader of a secret oriental spy ring known as the Society of the Leopard. With most of his men behind bars, Max Heller, recovered from the effects of the drug, joined forces with the leopard woman and her olive-skinned cohorts. Realizing that both Clark Kent and Lois Lane are in the way, the leopard woman has taken steps to remove them. As our story continues today, a messenger has just delivered a box of poisoned candy to the editorial room of the Daily Planet addressed to Lois. Signing for the delivery, young Jimmy Olsen brings it to Lois's desk. 
Jane. Yeah, I'll package for you. For me? Uh-huh. It's like a present. Oh, what's the gag, Jimmy? Oh, it's no gag. Honest. The messenger just delivered it. Well, why don't you open it? You're too anxious, young man. What's in it? Live snakes or dead fish? Oh, gosh, how should I know? I'm wise to your shenanigans, Jimmy Olsen. Didn't you send someone a couple of bullfrogs for his birthday? Oh, yeah, that was Skinny Malone. Well, I wouldn't do a thing like that to you, Miss Lane. No, honest, this is on the level. Look how the package is tied up all fancy-like. I bet it's something swell. All right, Jane. If this is one of your practical jokes, I'm off you for life. Hand me that pair of scissors. Here. <laughs> what do you think it is? I don't know. I haven't the faintest idea. What? It's a box of candy. Oh, so it is. Who on earth is sending me candy? Well, there's a card attached to the ribbon. Now, don't get so excited, Jimmy. You act as though you've never seen a box of candy before. Let's see who's responsible for this totally unexpected surprise. Jimmy, catch me. I'm fainting. What's the matter? This is too much. I'll never recover from the shock. What shock? You'll never guess who sent this box of candy. Never in a million years. Well, can't you tell me, or is it a secret? Secret? Heavens, no. I'm going to shout it from the rooftop. I'm going to publish it on the front page of the Daily Planet. Come on, Mr. White should hear about this. He'll pass out. Well, you still haven't told me who sent it. You'll find out. Chief, get ready for the surprise of your life. Uh, close that door, if you don't mind. Look, look at this. Uh, what is it? A box of candy. You think I'm blind? Guess who sent it to me. Is that all you've got to do? Barge in here with guessing games? I'm not a quiz kid, and I don't give a hoot. Uh, 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 uh. Don't say it, Mr. White. Lois, sometimes I marvel at you. You can waste more precious minutes dabbling around with silly things than any five people that I know. You finished? Yes, and so will you be, unless you take that box of candy and make yourself scarce. I'm busy. Not too busy to hear the news. That box of candy was a gift from none other than Clark Kent. Mr. Kent. Honest? No one else but. And listen to this card. It'll kill you. Sweet to the sweet, Clark. Hmm. Boy. Well, I'm sorry for Kent if that's all he's got to do with his money. I'm amazed. Can you imagine that blushing violet sending a girl a box of candy? Why, it's unheard of. <laughs> I think we should celebrate the occasion by all having a piece. How about it, Mr. White? I never eat candy. Doesn't agree with me. Oh, come on. Just this one. No, no, no. Nothing doing. Well, you won't refuse, will you, Jimmy? Oh, I should say not. Go on, help yourself. Oh, thanks. Oh, no, maybe you'd like me to serve tea and crumpets right here on my desk, huh? <laughs> or maybe you'd prefer a lawn party in the press room. Now, you don't have mm. to be sarcastic, Chief. Mm, that's a swell candy, Miss Lane. Glad you like it, Jimmy. I think I'll try a piece. Mm. Yes? Oh, hello, Lois. Jimmy, am I well, something? Hi. Yes, yes, you are, Kent. Refreshment time at the Daily Planet. Oh. All work stops while these two nincompoops sample that candy you sent. Candy, I said. You couldn't have done anything nicer, Clark. What? And the card was so beautifully framed. Oh, wait, hold on a minute. Are you trying to pull my leg? I didn't send any candy. Well, here's the card. Sweet to the sweet. Sign Clark. Well, that's not my handwriting. Ah, oh, now we won't fight about it. <coughs> Go on, have a piece. What's the matter, Jim? <laughs> I don't know, my my throat tightened up. I can't swallow. That candy. Don't anyone touch it. I'll get some water. No, that might make it worse. <coughs> Easy, Jim. Wait a minute now. How many pieces did you eat? Just half of one... Well, well, what are you all standing there for? Come on, call the doctor. Call the doctor. The boy will bring him to the hospital. Bring that box of candy, Lois. Hurry. You'll be all right, Jim. Boy. Open the door, Mr. Wayne. Yeah, now, don't spare any expense, Kent. Do everything possible for it. I will. Come on, Lois. Dr. Kingsley wanted in surgery. Dr. Kingsley wanted in surgery. Dr. Kingsley wanted in surgery. 
You're going to have a nervous breakdown, Lois, if you don't relax. How can I relax with that poor kid dying in there? You're making it worse than it is. No, don't try to hide anything from me, Clark. I heard what the doctor said to you. One chance in a million. Why was I such a blind, stupid fool? Why? Lois, you can't blame yourself. There was no way of telling that candy was poison. Oh, Clark, if Jimmy doesn't live... Now, wait a minute. He wouldn't want you to break up this way, Lois, not Jimmy. Oh, for his sake and for your own, try getting a grip on yourself. I'll try. That's the girl. Here. Sit down for a while. There. I thought Mr. White was coming. What happened to him? He should be here any minute now. In fact, I think he's coming up the corridor now. Yes, yes, that's it. I got here as soon as I could. What's doing, Ken? I'm not sure yet, Mr. White. What did the doctor say? Lois, please. Well, well, Kent, what did he say? Not very much. Pretty serious. Analysis of the candy shows each piece was poisoned. Well, well, good grief. There are antidotes for poisons, aren't there? Not for this one. It's an oriental drug. Now, look, Kent. I'm not going to stand for any nonsense. Get the head of the hospital. I'll have a talk with him. If it takes every penny that I've got, that kid is going to be pulled through. Now, come on. Let's see some action. Call in doctors. Five of them. Ten. Twenty. Someone must know what to do. Don't excite yourself, Mr. White. Everything possible is being done. Dr. Kingsley is giving the case his personal attention. Give me this guy. Getting worried about Lois. She's going to pieces. Don't worry about me. Kent, there's one thing I don't understand. Now, who sent Lois that box of candy? Who could have dreamed up a murderous thing like that? What if you hadn't walked into my office at just that moment? Can you picture the situation? Lois would have eaten some of the candy. I might even have taken a piece, and heaven only knows how many others in the editorial room. Why, why it would have been mass murder. Here comes Dr. Kingsley. I'm sorry to have kept you so long, Mr. Kingsley. It's quite all right, Doctor. Uh, this is Perry White, editor of the Daily Planet. How do you do, Mr. How White? do you do, Doctor? How do you do? Well, what does it look like, Doctor? Not too good, Mr. White. I think we've done all we can. It's just a matter of time. Oh, no, it can't be. Oh, please. Are you, uh... You mean there's nothing anyone can do? Nothing? It must sound strange, but unfortunately it's true. The poison contained in those candies is an oriental venom extracted from the root of the Kiyasha plant. For centuries, the Japanese have used it to commit suicide. The action of the venom constricts the throat, soon makes it impossible to breathe. There's only one man alive who has any knowledge of the drug or any method of relieving the constriction. Well, well, why, why, why don't we call him? Uh, who is he? His name is Dr. Humphrey Richards. He was chief of the Tokyo American Hospital before the start of the war. I've already made inquiries as to his whereabouts. He left Singapore three weeks ago on the last passenger ship to clear the port. There's no telling where that ship is now. Either on the high seas or... At the bottom. What was the name of the ship? The Queen of the Sea. <laughs> if you're thinking of trying to reach it by radio, Mr. Kent, I'm afraid that's impossible. All we can do is wait for what seems to be the inevitable. I'm going to try something, Mr. White. You and Lois stay here at the hospital. I'll be back as soon as I can. Well, where are you going? Well, I've got an idea. It may work. I'll be back. Dr. Reed wanted in Ward 16. Dr. Reed wanted in Ward 16. In the shadow darkness of an alley adjoining the hospital, Ken strips off the disguise of the newspaper reporter and stands revealed in the blue costume and flaming red cape of Superman, the Queen of the Sea, bound from Singapore to San Francisco. 
It's like looking for a needle in a haystack, but I've got to take the chance. Up! Up! And away! With the speed of a bullet, Superman wings out across the country, heading for the blue Pacific and a lone passenger ship threading its careful way through dangerous waters. Three weeks out of Singapore, the Queen of the Sea moves like a spectral ghost ship at half throttle, keen-eyed seamen patrolling her darkened decks. No sound emanating from the camouflaged hull save the soft throb of the engine and the gentle slap of water cutting across the bow. Suddenly, a warning cry cuts through the shrouded silence like a knife. Submarine on port now! Submarine on port Darkness on the ocean. And the deadly, all-seeing eye of an enemy periscope breaking water 500 yards from the queen of the sea. What chance has the unarmed passenger ship against the steel-nosed torpedoes of the underwater killer. Unknown to Superman, more than just time and distance stand in the way of saving Jimmy Olsen's life. What will happen? Don't forget to be with us for the next thrilling episode. Tune in and listen, we're the Superman! Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman! It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands. And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. In an effort to remove Clark Kent and Lois Lane as obstacles in the path of espionage, Nita, mysterious leader of an oriental spy ring called the Society of the Leopard, and herself known as the Leopard Woman, sent Lois a box of poisoned candy in Kent's name. By a queer twist of fate, young Jimmy Olsen was the only one who ate any of the candy. Stricken almost at once, he was rushed to the hospital near death. There, Kent learned nothing could be done for him. The one physician who knew something about the oriental poison in the candy and might be able to help was on the high seas coming from Singapore to the United States in the passenger ship Queen of the Sea. Though his chances of locating the tiny ship and all the vastness of the Pacific were slim, Kent, as Superman, called on his amazing power of flight in a race against death. Meanwhile, aboard the Queen of the Sea, the passengers and crew are facing almost certain destruction at the hands of an enemy submarine showing its periscope off the port bow. At the rail, the captain and his first officer peer into the darkness, waiting. The men are standing by the boat, sir. I seem to have lost the scope, all right. Do you see it? Yes, sir. It's amidships now. 
500 yards off. Her conning tower's breaking water. Uh, yes, I see it. She won't fire without warning, will she? There's no telling what those yellow devils will do. I've been half expecting this all along. Now that's come, I'm not too taken aback. You say your men are ready to lower away? Yes, sir. How are the passengers behaving? Quite well. We have them at the starboard station. Captain, look! A torpedo! She's fired! Hold speed is done. Yes, sir! Bear away, Holly. Yes, sir. I think she'll miss us. A little more. Yes, sir. A little more. Yes, sir. Yes, she did. Thank heaven. It doesn't mean much. We can't outmaneuver them forever. Sooner or later, that. What's that wind, Holly? I don't know, sir. Something fell under the water. We're being bombed. Get all passengers below decks. Batten all hatches. Move fast, man. I sounded like a bomb diving into the water. Too bad I had to frighten them, but this is the best way to stop those torpedoes before they reach their target. All right, I'm ready if you are. Let them come. Huh. Almost until they heard me. Here comes a silver fish right at me. I don't have to move an inch. That's what I call service. Oh, boy. This is as far as you go. The end of the line. Now, just tuck you under my left arm and wait for your twin brother. He should be coming along any moment now. Yes, there he is. Over to the left. Now, let me just swim over the medium. There. That's about right. Come on, keep coming, sonny boy, but get ready to stop fast. Almost slipped away from me. Yeah, that was close. Now to return both of you to that sub with my compliments. Up! Up! And away! Leaping into the air with a shining torpedo under each arm, Superman circles in strange flight above the enemy submarine. Suddenly, his arms open wide, and the deadly steel cylinders hurtle down through the darkness, striking the conning tower side by side. Like a thing alive, the submarine leaps out of the water, buckles and splits in two as the deafening thunder of its explosion shatters the night. And seconds later... Aboard the Queen of the Sea, Superman, half hidden in the shadows of the deckhouse, reaches out and grasps the arm of an elderly gentleman. Dr. Richards? Yes? There isn't much time, Doctor. I've got to talk fast. A young boy is dying in the city hospital at Metropolis. You are the only one who can save him. Every second counts. Are you out of your mind? Metropolis is 5,000 miles from here. Distance means nothing. Just promise me one thing, that you'll never reveal how you got there. I promise, That's but... all I need. I'm going to carry you in my arms. What? I know it may seem strange at first, but don't worry. Here we go. Up! Up! And away! Dr. Laurel wanted in surgery. Dr. Laurel wanted in surgery. Dr. Laurel wanted in surgery. Richard has been in there with Jimmy for two hours, Kent. I'm getting worried. You sure he's the right man? Positive, Mr. White. Well, where did you find him? Kingsley said he was on a boat somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. Well, uh, uh, Dr. Kingsley was wrong. Dr. Richards had flown back on the clipper. He was right here in Metropolis. I remembered having seen his name in the paper a day or two ago. Kent, sometimes you amaze me. I almost think you have strange powers. Oh, wait. Here comes Dr. Richards now. He looks tired. I'm praying, Kent. You've got a pretty sick little boy there, gentlemen. You mean? Yes. He'll live. Oh. Oh, dear. 
I don't know how to thank you, Doctor. He'll be on his back for at least a month, and he must be watched carefully. Sure. Anything you say, Doctor. Uh, day nurses, night nurses, anything. Uh, the sky's the limit. Dr. Kingsley is in there now, finishing up. I'll give him all instructions. You just you send your bill to me, Perry White, at the Daily Plant, and make it high. I'll be happy to pay it. <laughs> and now, if you'll excuse me, I'll watch up. Certainly, and thanks again, Dr. Richards. You're quite welcome. And if there's ever anything that you want, just name it, and it's yours. I'll remember that. Good night. Good night. Good night, Good night Doctor. Can't I? I'm shaking like a leaf. Every nerve in my body is quivering. Oh, you've had a long, anxious siege of it. Here, look. Look at my fingers. Like a man of 80. Phew, what a night. Well, it's all over. But now there's something I want to tell you. We can't afford to let that poison candy incident stop where it did. We've got to follow through. Whoever sent that box probably figured it would get Lois, you, and myself. Not to mention a dozen others on the staff. Now, that means we'll have to play the game their way. What are you driving at? We've got to let them believe the poison candy worked. I'll tell you how we'll do that on the way back to the office. Come on. The following morning, in the secret meeting room of the Society of the Leopard, Max Heller and the mysterious leader of the Oriental spy ring, known to her cohort as Nita, the Leopard Woman, scan the papers. Well, there's no doubt about it now. Neither her Kent nor Fowling Lane will bother us again. Your candidate to take as nothing else could. It is written here that seven died. Who were the others? That's Kent's paper, the Daily Planet. Your delectable confections evidently appealed to five other reporters. You see how simple it is, my friend. No blood, no excitement. Swiftly and surely with the quiet cunning of the leopard. And if there are more who obstruct our path, they too will go. But enough of this. There is work to be done. This airship of yours, that with the folding wings, it is well hidden, you say. In an underground hangar not far from the city. Yes, I remember. It will be difficult to remove and of little use to us. But we must see that it does not fall into enemy hands. Tonight, after dark, you will go there and destroy it. I will accompany you. Well, must it be destroyed? It's the only plane of its kind in this country. All the more reason for destruction. By this time, you should know that one of the rules of war is to destroy that which you cannot forget. I suppose you're right. Incidentally, I marvel neat at how much you know. It's how widespread are your activities. And the leopards stalk far and wide, my friend. From one ocean to the other, there are faithful servants. The twelve you saw meeting in this room were but the leaders. There are many more, like grains of rice pouring out of a bag. When the time comes, they will strike them all time. When is the time? Very soon. Already the underwater ships of the country I serve are gathering off the shore. When the signal is given, the claws of the leopard will tear from within while the mighty guns thunder from without. There can be no failure. And what if you are caught? The machinery has been well set up. It requires only someone to press the button to set it in motion. If I am unable to, that privilege will be yours. I will send for the plans and show you exactly what is to be done. Later that afternoon, at the offices of the Daily Planet, Kent and Perry White are discussing the box of poison candy when the phone rings. Perry White's office. Uh, just a minute. Uh, for you, Kent. Oh. Major Campbell. Thanks. Hello, Major. You're quite well, thanks. Yes? I see. Well, there's no question about it in my mind. 
Uh, just let me jot that down, will you? Mm-hmm. Yes, I've got it. Yes, I will. Uh-huh. Okay, goodbye. Well, Camel has some interesting information. The box of candy was made in Japan, and whoever sent it evidently has the supply on hand. Campbell says the espionage department knows of no organized Oriental spying in America. They've been checking on reports that a woman runs an organization known as the Leopard Society, but they haven't been able to locate it. Mm, that doesn't tell us who sent the candy. No, it might give us a lead. There's certain color is mixed up in that attempted poisoning. You're still convinced he's alive? Absolutely. Wait a minute. I just thought of something. A woman claimed Heller's body at the morgue. And Campbell said a woman runs the Leopard Society. I wonder whether it's the same woman. Hmm, that's like asking how high is up. Oh, no, not quite. I'm going to take a run up to that factory where we rounded up Heller's gang. I may dig something up. Oh, no, no, no. You're supposed to be dead. Poison. You can't go traipsing around. Well, I'll leave after dark. Personally, I think you're wasting time. Hmm? Can't tell. I may run into something interesting. Little does Clark Kent know that he may run into something slightly more than interesting. Max Heller and two of the Leopard Woman's Oriental henchmen will be at the factory after dark. Something is bound to happen when Clark Kent meets them. To the outside world, both men are supposed to be dead. Will there be a meeting of living ghosts? Don't miss the next thrilling episode. Tune in and listen. We're the Superman. Don't forget. Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen... And now to our story. As you remember, young Jimmy Olsen was near death from having eaten a piece of poison candy. But Kent, as Superman, flew out over the Pacific Ocean and brought back the one doctor who knew enough about the nature of the oriental poison in the candy to save Jimmy's life. With that done, Kent set about to discover who was responsible for sending the candy to Lois Lane. Obviously, it was intended not for Jimmy, but for Lois and himself. Suspecting that Mex Heller, the foreign espionage agent, is still alive and had something to do with the deadly gift, Kent decides to let him think he has accomplished his purpose. And a story to the effect that Clark Kent and Lois Lane met death appears in the Daily Planet. But unknown to Kent, the poison candy was sent by the strange, mysterious leader of an oriental spy ring known as the Leopard Woman. Heller, who is alive, has associated himself with the Leopard Woman and her olive-skinned henchmen. As our story continues today, Kent has decided to visit the abandoned factory where Max Heller and his gang were first rounded up in the hope of finding a clue to the mystery. Perry White, editor of the Daily Planet, has insisted on accompanying him. 
Darkness has fallen as Kent, at the wheel, leaves the lights of the city behind. What do you expect to find at this deserted factory, Kent? Well, there's no telling. We meant to get back there the day after we rounded up Heller's gang of agents with that box of poison candy messed things up. Oh, for heaven's sake, don't mention poison candy to me. I tell you, those few hours waiting around the hospital last night took ten years off my life. And why? Why? Because Jimmy Olsen couldn't resist popping a piece of candy into his mouth. You're not being quite fair, Mr. White. After all, it's no crime to take a piece of candy when it's offered you. The box wasn't sent to Jimmy, it was sent to Lois. You might have eaten some of it. I might have. We're just lucky, that's all. But that part of it's done and passed. Jimmy will be a pretty sick kid for a few weeks, but he'll pull through. Kent, I'd give $5,000 to get my hands around the neck of whoever sent that candy. $5,000 in cash. I've never wanted to commit murder before. It'll be a pleasure in this case. Major Campbell said the candy was made in Japan, didn't he? The candy or the box or both. It's a typical yellow trick. No white man would stoop that low. My blood boils when I think of it. Don't you worry. Whoever's responsible will pay with interest. I'm supposed to be dead, but when I meet up with the sender of that candy, I'll be a pretty live ghost. You can count on it. What did that signpost say? Wait, I'll slow down. Twin Forks. Six miles. Uh-huh. Uh, this is the road, all right. We'll be there in 20 minutes. Meanwhile, at the abandoned factory six miles away, Max Heller and his new companion in crime, the mysterious leopard woman, have descended to the basement and are moving slowly along a pitch-black corridor guided by the beam of light from an electric torch in Heller's hand. Their destination is the underground hangar where Heller has stored his ingenious folding wing plane. As they reach the end of the corridor, they stop, and Heller opens a heavy wooden trap in the floor. I had better go down first. The ladder is not very strong. Is it necessary for me to go with you? All we wish to do is to destroy the plane so that it will be of no use to anyone. I want you to see it first. Perhaps you might change your mind about destroying it. There's nothing like it in this country. I have told you many times, my friend, nothing is of value unless you have use for it. But we waste precious time. I will follow you. Very well. Be careful coming down this ladder. Have you enough light? Yes. Easy, one step at a time. There, that's fine. Where is the plane? One moment. I'll turn on a light. Wait. A light will be seen. No, this hangar is completely sealed. It's built of concrete. Uh, there we are. Is that strange object the plane? Yes. They're ready to take off. You see how the wings fold back against the fuselage. Like those of a bird pressed against its body. What is that machinery behind it? That is the catapulting mechanism necessary to shoot the plane into the air. It works on the same principle used in the rocket, except that the energy required to send the plane up is compressed air rather than gunpowder. If I was open to spell, that energy would build up, and in less than 30 seconds, there would be sufficient pressure to send the plane hurtling into the heavens. But you say this place is sealed. Those iron doors at the far end swing back. We would have entered the hangars that way, except that they are bolted from the inside. It's all quite amazing. These planes, they are being used in the war? Experimentally. Soon the sky will be black with them. They can be launched from the deck of a ship, from a railroad car, from almost any place. Now, do you wish to see it destroyed? 
There is no other way. The loss is as nothing compared to having it come into the hands of our enemies. Can it be burned so that no trace of it will exist? Nothing that can be copied? Yes, I suppose so. Then let us proceed with it at once. I do not like being caught in underground passages. It makes me uneasy. There's no danger of being caught down here. Only three people in the world know of the existence of... Wait! Are you worried? Voices. Listen. All heaven's name, you expect to find anything down here, sir? Who is it? I don't know. What's all right about us? One of them spoke your name. I heard it. And something else, too. What? One was addressed as Kent. You must be mistaken. The voices were muffled. I heard it clearly. Don't be a fool. Kent is dead. Yes. Of course he is dead. Of course. You think perhaps it may be his ghost. Um, why do you suggest anything like that? <laughs> Shall I tell you why? Because you are quaking with fear. Because your teeth are chattering as though in a dry, empty skull. No, that's not true. Quiet, you fool. Listen to me. Open the iron door. That's right. We'll use the plane to escape quickly. Do as I say. Yes. They're open. Ah, they're open all the way. Now, I'll start building air pressure. Wait. This plane operates like all others? Yes. When the ring's open, the motors start automatically. A child could fly it. Shall I open the valve? Open it. It takes 30 seconds to build up. So you said... Now, open the door of the plane. Curry, there's not much time. There is time enough for me. Is that is the pilot seat. Take the one behind. I will be piloting the plane. I am in the proper place. What do you mean? I am leaving you behind, Helen. You are a coward, and I have no use for cowards. No. You are joking with me. It is no joke. Stand back and close the door. This little pearl-handled revolver I am pointing at you is no toy. No, let me in. Stand back, I said. No, no, don't. Kent, what was that? It sounded like a shot. I thought I heard a man scream. Wait a minute, listen. Someone's moaning. Throw the light on the floor. It's coming from below us. Right. I, I think it is. But there's a trap door. Keep the light down. I'll open it. Right. Why, it's an underground room. All lit up. Well, who's moaning? A man on the floor. Wait, I'll go down first. Watch this ladder, Mr. White. It's shaky. Right. Be careful. The bottom rung's broken. I'm all right. Easy now. Step down. Hey, who's the man, Kent? I don't know. I'll have to turn him over. Max Heller. Sure. No question about it. He's been shot in the chest. Leopard. What? Leopard. Trying to say something. Leopard. Sounds like leopard. leopard. Hadn't we better get him to a doctor, Kent? I'm afraid it's too late. His pulse is weak. He can't last much longer. Woman. Leopard. He's talking again. Leopard woman. Major Campbell mentioned a female spy known as the Leopard Woman. Wait, let's sit him up. It may help him. Only against the wall. Easy. Yeah. Wait a minute. Careful. Yeah. Yeah. There we are. Uh, his lips are getting pale. Yes, he's in bad shape. Tell her. Tell her. 
look, Kent. His eyes are open. He's conscious. Keller, listen to me. No. No. Not that. Poison. Who shot you, Keller? Go away. Go away. Not until you tell me who shot you. You've got to tell me. Keller, you've got to. Keller. He's dead. No. In a coma. I think we'll be able to get him to a hospital, Mr. White. We'll make an attempt anyway. There may be just a slim chance of keeping him alive. And if we can, we'll have the key to the mystery. You get the car started. I'll carry him. You don't have to climb the ladder. Go out that way. Hurry, will you? Are you sure you can handle him alone? Yes, he's light. Okay. Be careful. I'll have a tough time explaining this to Mr. White, but the car's too slow. I can get him to the hospital much faster. As Superman. And every second counts. Up with him. Mr. White can't see me from where I parked the car. Fortunately, the night is pitch black. Up! Up! And away! Knowing full well that the chances of keeping Heller alive for a million to one, Superman nonetheless streaks toward Metropolis with the unconscious man in his arms, once again battling death with all the amazing abilities at his disposal. If Max Heller lives, the desire for vengeance alone will force him to expose the leopard woman and her yellow-skinned henchmen. What will happen? Don't forget to be with us again for the next episode in this thrill-packed story. Tune in and listen with the Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. The bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Excelsior!